Body fat and age. How important is thin? You know, I read the comments on the articles that I publish on the web, various places around the web, PJ Media, things get reposted to Facebook, that sort of thing. And uh, I do, in fact, read some of those comments occasionally. Some of them sound kind of hateful. Like, Rip's a fat guy. Don't believe anything he says about fitness because he's fat. And fit people don't look like Rip's giant fat ass. Run away. So, as I sit here, finishing the last of an unclaimed birthday cake from the local grocery store, what do they call it now, United Supermarkets, or maybe it was from Walmart, I can't remember, listening to Chicago's, my favorite, freeform guitar on repeat, this harshness, the harshness on these comments brings a tear to my little piggish bloodshot eyes. People are just so hateful. Usually, they're just stupid and ignorant. And sometimes that can be interpreted as hateful. But not by me. No, sir. I know how people are, and they just haven't thought clearly about several important aspects of human existence. First, let me say that in my defense, I'm not a model. Although my rugged good looks qualify me for such work were I to seek it. You see, I was kidding about the birthday cake and the little piggish eyes. I'm a coach, a lecturer, and an author. I'm paid for what I know, not how I look. Tom Landry did not look like Randy White, but that didn't keep him from being an effective coach of Randy White. My job is not to have abs, and really it's not even to show you how to get them. My job is to teach you how to get strong using barbell training and why you should. And I'm pretty good at that. I've been doing this since 1978, and I've forgotten more about strength training and conditioning than many coaches will ever have an opportunity to learn. But I'm old. I've accumulated a lot of injuries, and I can't train as hard as I used to. And I like to eat and drink, so I have a little belly. That doesn't keep me from being an effective coach, lecturer, and author. And it's really amazing to me that I have to actually explain this to people who haven't thought about exactly what a coach does. This is important, too. I'm no longer primarily concerned with my appearance. And many of you listening to this aren't really concerned about your appearance either, not primarily. Vanity is a luxury we don't have time for, a costly, unnecessary luxury for truly mature individuals who are content to be merely strong, healthy, and physically competent. I'm not interested in being a fat slob, and as long as I'm training and thinking clearly about what I eat and drink, I won't be. My primary interest now is that my continued physical existence be such that I'm just having fun. 
And ladies and gentlemen, that just doesn't require abs. Visible abdominal muscles are fashionable in Western society these days, but in some cultures, visible abs mean poverty and privation, which is never fashionable anywhere among those, especially who must endure it. Strength and health are not dependent on low body fat levels, which occur as a possibly fortunate genetic predisposition among some people. Varying levels of body fat distribution are largely determined by both genetics and environment. Some people are fatter than other people. Some people get fat easier than other people. And some people lose fat easier than other people. Losing fat that has been there quite a while requires that things be done differently. And just exactly how differently things must be done varies with the individual too. For people who naturally carry higher levels of body fat, attempts at radical body fat reduction can be expensive in terms of the psychological and physiological costs necessary for dropping below what for them would be normal body fat levels. The body mass index, BMI as it is known, is a way of measuring body composition. It is a ratio of the person's body weight to their height. Since it does not discriminate between muscle mass and fat mass, BMI is a very poor indicator of body composition in people with a lot of muscle. But for epidemiology in the general population, it works pretty well. Normal, the designation, that is in quotes, is considered to be 18.5 to 25. The obese range starts at 30, and the underweight range starts below 18.5. If you train with weights, you've had problems with misinterpretation of the BMI before. But then again, you're not the problem here. Very severe obesity, a BMI of 40 or above, is a very bad idea, and not just for the superficial reasons fashion dictates. Morbid obesity is the result of less than perfect genetics coupled with profound derangement regarding diet and physical activity. Even people with less than perfect genetics can be perfectly healthy at higher body fat levels if they eat and drink with a reasonable degree of self-restraint and exercise at the levels of intensity necessary to stay strong and conditioned. The vast majority of the morbidly obese got that way by sitting on their asses and eating like fools. You know, the kind of people who live on the couch when they're not at the store salvaging unclaimed birthday cakes. But just as bad as morbid obesity is being severely underweight. In the absence of a wasting disease condition, severely underweight people also have a derangement in diet and physical activity that keeps them at an abnormally low body weight. They lack normal body fat stores, but they also lack normal muscle mass, organ mass, and bone mass. Now they very well may have visible abs, and this is apparently very fashionable, I suppose. The mortality line is not a hockey stick. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a U a reverse bell curve, 
and it is slightly shifted towards the right. In fact, people of normal BMI have the same mortality rate as moderately obese people. According to the studies of all-cause mortality, mild obesity is in fact protective, and both severely underweight and morbid obesity are, uh, shall we say, not protective. We all know that enormous fat people enjoy a lower quality of life and tend to drop dead early. But so do the marvelously slim individuals who everyone seems to idolize as pictures of health. Now, I'm not making this up. Google is your friend here, even if I am not. Thin, frail people have problems with their daily existence and drop dead early, too. The shocking truth is that fatter people carry more muscle mass and that muscle mass and strength are protective. Here are several interesting facts. Gaining strength requires muscular growth. Muscular growth requires a caloric surplus. Muscular growth requires an increase in body weight unless you're overweight when you start training. Body weight gain always involves an increase in both lean body mass and body fat. And weight loss always involves a loss in both fat and lean body mass. Training skews the ratio of lean body mass, fat, loss, or gain upward or downward and protects against the loss of as much lean body mass. This is very important. Stronger people live longer, no matter what the other variables might be. In studies of all-cause mortality, stronger people have a lower mortality rate at every age. Any profound loss of lean body mass is highly correlated with mortality. Heavier people tend to be stronger. Heavier people carry more muscle mass. And more muscle mass correlates positively with strength, even if they are fatter. Even morbidly obese people are stronger, though the process of getting morbidly obese by sitting on your ass and eating cake tends to offset the benefits thereof. Underweight people tend to be weaker, and weaker is the opposite of stronger in terms of all-cause mortality, you know, being dead. Underweight people tend to lose bone mass as well because they don't do the things that keep themselves stronger and heavier, which keeps their bones dense. Less dense bone predisposes an individual to fractures, and pelvic fractures, hip fractures, are very, very, very bad things. Now, these are the facts. Therefore, if health and physical capacity are your primary concerns, abs are, I'm afraid, not a leading indicator. In fact, they may be a lagging indicator depending on how they got there. Younger people who train very hard and watch their diets carefully will usually show visible abdominal musculature, but many athletes performing at a high level do not. Low body fat levels are not an advantage in every sport, 
and some sports are so strenuous that the diet necessary to show visible abs does not allow for recovery from the work. As we age and changes take place in our hormonal milieu, the physiological environment necessary for the growth of muscle and the loss of fat erodes. When you were young, you swam with the current. When you were fully mature, you swam in the lake. And now that you're older, I'm afraid you're swimming upstream. And I'm as sorry about that as anybody, but getting older simply makes staying skinny and muscular that much harder to do. It certainly doesn't make it impossible, especially if, you've already, if you haven't already done it. Older people benefit more from strength than younger people do, but it is harder to make progress than when you're younger, so you'd better hurry. And this is why I say that a little pot belly on a 61-year-old gym owner who can still deadlift 500 pounds is not necessarily a bad thing. So you guys lighten up a little on me, all right? And while you're at it, get an accurate grasp of your own situation. Things may not be as they seem. 